Hello and welcome. I'm Pooja Sarkar, and you're listening to Capital Ideas. It is our latest podcast from Forbes India. It is our endeavor to bring you conversation with leaders in the world of business, economics, finance, and everything else in between. We really hope you enjoy these conversations, and please do send us your feedback. Tell us what is it that you would like to know about these leaders, and who are the kind of guests that you would like to listen into. Please do send us your feedback, and we'll try and do our best to get them on board and have them answer you. Also, do not, do not, do not forget to like, subscribe, and follow us on Spotify, Google Podcast, or any other platform that you prefer. Capital Ideas will be hosted by my colleague Manu Balachandran, and of course, yours truly. And as always, please, please give a big shout out to Monswini Kaushik for editing our podcast. Now, today is our first episode, and who better to set the show rolling than Stephen Ishwarzman, Chairman, CEO, and Co-founder of Blackstone Group? Now, exactly six months back, I mean on March fourth, in fact. Steve was in India doing his book tour. Uh, his book is called What It Takes, and it's a fabulous bi- autobiography that he's written. Uh, we met on March fourth, and today is September fourth. It's exactly six months, and here he is launching my second podcast. He had actually launched my first podcast, which is called From the Bookshelves of Forbes India, uh, where we interview authors from the world of business, economics, and finance. And he launched my first podcast, and I'm, it is so so great that he's launching the second one too now today we are going to talk about his journey as a child to creating blackstone learnings from past 6 months blackstone india's performance and much more let's just get talking to mr shawsman thank you so much for being on our show uh first uh the response to your podcast episode was phenomenal everybody wanted to know more about you and more from the book so i'll start with the book one more time uh what it takes has been like a best seller and also it talks about your journey coming from the fact that you know how difficult it was to raise your first billion dollars what is it that you tell fund managers on how to raise capital and how has this entire journey been Well my journey has been an adventure you know all of us have a journey uh every human being has a journey and uh you never know where you're going to end up uh it, for mine uh you know I started in what we call the middle class of America my father had a small store uh I used to work in that as a, a younger person uh I really hated doing that uh you know I like to be playing sports Uh, I like to be with my friends at school, but I had to learn what it was like to work in a retail store, and uh, I was lucky enough uh, to go to uh, a great university uh, called Yale, uh, and then I went to Harvard Business School, and I didn't know what I was going to do, and uh, I got introduced to a few people, and uh, my my skills in math were terrible, but somebody thought I should go into finance. uh where they use apparently a lot of mathematics uh and uh so so I joined uh, and I found it was really hard uh, and it was hard uh, because I just didn't like doing that statistical uh work I like dealing with people like I like talking to you uh and it took a few years before I learned the basics and I was able to start dealing with real problems because uh the business i chose which is finance is really just about solving uh problems that other people have 
and, and sometimes it's very important to listen carefully to what they're saying and also what they're actually not saying, but what they're probably thinking. And if you can figure that out, the solutions are not so hard. And so I've had an adventure uh, for the last 50 years, which is hard to imagine because I still think I'm in my 30s uh, <laughs> in terms of, of working on all kinds of fascinating things with people all over the world. Uh, I started uh, my own company when I was 37. Uh, it's a good age to start because uh, you know a bunch of stuff, but you don't know everything. You, you know enough not to make a mess uh, and, and be overconfident. Uh, and, and as we grew our business uh, in, in finance, we were the first company uh, to be what was called then an, an investment banking boutique. We did merger and acquisition advice, and then we started in private equity, and then we expanded into other areas beyond that. So it's a fascinating journey. We started with two people and only uh, $400,000. Uh, 400,000 sounds like a lot for some of your listeners, uh, but, but in, in the world of, of large corporations, it's not very much. Uh, and now uh, we have about $560 billion uh, uh, increase of a huge amount uh, from where we started. Uh, it's been 35 years. Uh, the value of our company, uh, instead of being $400,000, is about $65 billion, uh, which is uh, really pretty good. Uh, and and it's, uh, you know, we have about 3,000 people working at our parent company, but with all the businesses and real estate we own, uh, it's, it's around 500,000 people, which even for India is, is a good sized number uh, of, of people. We've become the largest owner of real estate in the world. Uh, we, we, we're the largest private equity firm uh, in the world in that area. Uh, we do a variety of other things in credit, hedge funds, uh, and uh, life has become an adventure uh, for me as we opened all over the world, uh, uh, buy things and operate everywhere. And that's gotten me involved with politics because when you go to a country, you have to understand the country and how it works. It's gotten me involved in uh, what's called philanthropic work, which is charity. It's giving money away uh, to solve problems that you see as big problems. So, so my life, is a lot of fun uh, and it's an adventure. And until COVID, I used to go around the world and meet fascinating people, deal with interesting problems, uh, try and help out uh, wherever I could. Uh, and in the last six months since I was in India, really changed. I mean, I was in one of my houses uh, in Florida for four months, almost never went out. Uh, and now I'm in another place outside of New York uh, where I have a house and almost never go anywhere. And, and so it's, it's shocking uh, to have spent your, your life running around the world. Uh, and, and now I see you on Zoom and I see all these people in India on Zoom. 
Uh, and on one level, it's not so bad. I don't have to go on planes. I don't get jet lag. Uh, <laughs> on another level, it's sort of a little bizarre uh, that we all just sort of stay in our homes, more or less, uh, and communicate uh, with people all around the world. So, so it's, it's much changed since I left uh, India, uh, but it'll change back uh, to our old uh, world, uh, not 100%, but a lot. Uh, once we get vaccines, which will be available in the next six months, most probably, and a bunch of other medical breakthroughs, so that if you get COVID, uh, your, your chance of having a bad outcome uh, will be much lower. Uh, there's a lot of antivirals uh, being developed uh, and produced. There's the potential to clone um, uh, antigens, which, which are the kinds of things that provide resistance uh, to, to, the, to the virus. So, so I think if we were to talk a year from now, the world will be dramatically changed back to the world we all used to have when I was in India on March 4th. True, hopefully soon. Uh, there's one thing that I wanted to take forward from this, uh, from the entire uh, speech that you gave recently the, at IIT Pawai, and I read through the entire speech and I found a few points very fascinating. You talked about how we need to think about the times that we are living in and how we can change. Uh, what are the key thoughts that you've had in these, uh, in these six months and what are the key learnings? Well, the key learnings are uh, that, that the world is changing and we're moving much more <clears throat> into a digital world. Uh, and that digital world uh, is, is, is getting us uh, to do things like Zooms and, and, and Microsoft Teams and other types of things uh, where we can communicate with other people. It's changing the economies as a result of that. There is more uh, home delivery. Uh, types of things. There, there's more distance learning. Um, there's um, uh, more emphasis on uh, entertainment uh, that can be consumed uh, in, in the home. Uh, there's changes in where people are choosing to live, uh, sort of moving away from some large cities, uh, moving more into the suburbs or smaller cities. So these types of trends uh, are driving uh, some new industries. Uh, they're hurting some old industries. And, and the ability to evaluate what's going on in, in that area will lead to large amounts of prosperity on the one hand, but also economic damage and lack of opportunity on the others. True. And you also talked about how a lot of Blackstone employees in India are from IIT, including uh, Amit Dixit, who's also one of the biggest faces of Blackstone in India. What is it that draws you to IITians? And uh, I remember you had written in your book that, you know, I want to be stuck waiting at the airport with you. I mean, you think about it that, you know, do I want to be stuck with you waiting at the airport for, if our flight were delayed? And I love that line when you wrote in the book. So what is it that draws you towards IITians? And how do you actually choose people because uh, every, at the heart of everything is having the right people in your team. Well, you know, the IIT people have uh, something 
in common one versus another, which is that they tend to be very smart. Uh, and, and, and in what we do, uh, being uh, smart, uh, but also flexible uh, is very important because the world keeps changing. If all you did was the same thing faster and faster, that, that's not the right way to go. So, so we found that, that the people we've hired from IIT are very adaptable, very smart. Uh, and and uh, the next thing we found uh, is that uh, around the world, we only hire uh, nice people. I, I realize that doesn't sound very scientific, uh, but I don't like to be with people <laughs> who are disagreeable uh, or people who are very smart but very strange uh, because it's too hard to work with them. So the people that we've hired from IIT uh, have, have great personalities. Uh, they're easy to be with. Uh, they're extremely smart. They're very focused. Um, and, and so they make a, a terrific group of uh, people. When I come to India and I sit in a room uh, and I'm surrounded by people who are all smarter than I am, uh, it makes me feel very comfortable. Uh, and, and those IIT graduates uh, are like that. Sure. There's one thing I wanted to understand now coming to the entire P business in India. You said that uh, India Blackstone business has We've been one of the best performing markets in private equity uh, worldwide. And what are the things that Blackstone India has done over the years that have stood out from its peers? And uh, what have been the lessons from the early investments in India? And how it, are things being done differently? Yeah, well, uh, we've done exceptionally well in India. And, and we've learned, like all foreigners, when we go to a country, we, we try things and sometimes you know, we were not as successful initially, but we learned. Uh, and what we've learned in India uh, is that India's got great growth. Uh, it's got very smart people. Uh, but sometimes if you don't control that business uh, and you're just a partner with other people, uh, it often tends not to work as well uh, as the fundamentals of the business would suggest. So, so we have a simple rule that if we're going to own something, uh, invest in something, we should own it. Uh, and that way we can make whatever the changes are uh, that are necessary to make that business and private equity perform uh, better. Uh, sometimes in real estate, it's a little different. Uh, it, it's a question uh, of, of what area you're, you're concentrating in. Uh, our biggest concentration uh, in India has been in real estate for technology companies. So one of India's great strengths is, is technology. Uh, and uh, people from all over the world locate operations in India. And, and we identified that trend. Uh, and we've done some joint ventures uh, in, in that area that have been very successful. We've done the first two uh, real estate investment trusts where we bought a lot of things and put it in, in real estate investment trusts and then took them public so that the, the public uh, can, can benefit from owning those things as well. Uh, and, and so we figured out, we think, uh, the right way to be operating uh, in, in India. It's not necessarily uh, being minority partners to promoters. Uh, it's, it's controlling things the way we do other places in the world. And it's worked out great for us. Uh, 
India's had among our highest returns in the world uh, in private equity, which means we keep putting more money in them. Those companies grow faster and faster. They hire more and more people. It's great for India. It's great for our investors who go into that. And it's great for the Indian consumers. True. And when it comes to the real estate part of the business, which uh, has seen uh, we saw one uh, listing happen during the pandemic and then you had one exit that happened from embassy parks uh, i just wanted to understand in terms of uh, the real estate portfolio how has it performed and b now that we all are working from home this question keeps coming will people go back to offices when will people go back to offices and how will this entire real estate business in the commercial sense will transform what are your views on it uh, in terms of uh, real estate, uh, uh, the, the, the $64 million question is what's going to happen with office. We have a specialty office uh, types of activities uh, in, in India geared exclusively for technology uh, companies in most cases. Uh, we also have some retail that's doing extremely well uh, uh, also. Uh, but but in, the, in our basic office, which is in uh, many cities, uh, Bangalore, Pune, and so forth, um, uh, Chennai, uh, we, we basically uh, uh, office people who are doing uh, uh, IT services, information technology services work from around the world. Uh, and that business has been exploding with growth. Some of those people may work from home. Uh, some of the people uh, are in the office, uh, but we don't see that trend uh, changing. Uh, for, for more uh, conventional uh, office work, uh, it, it's a little bit uncertain uh, around the world how that's going to work. Uh, I think more people will, will stay at home initially, uh, but the, uh, for the, the landlords, of buildings, uh, the people who go to work are going to need more uh, distance uh, between them during the early stages of COVID, which is what we're in. Uh, and, and that means that the density of those offices will be uh, much, much less, uh, which means for fewer people, you're going to need more space uh, per person. Uh, and, and, and so that should probably balance out uh, uh, a bit, uh, you'll probably have uh, less expansion uh, in office, uh, but we have to recognize uh, that th there's, there's a short-term impact and long-term trends. In the short term, there'll be many more people working from home over the short term, but as soon as we get these vaccines uh, and antivirals and, and deal with the medical breakthroughs that are going to make people much more comfortable, they'll be, most people will be going back to their offices uh, and the economy will then uh, pick up uh, and we won't have what looks to be uh, a major dislocation like we're having now. 
But in terms of the impact that the coronavirus pandemic is, I mean, it is being felt across the world right now. But if you look at India, our GDP has shrunk far more than others. Uh, but how does this impact your portfolio companies and how are businesses rewiring themselves? What are the new things and the ways that they have to change uh, to keep going at this time? Well, in India looks like it's going through a shock uh, in terms of its slowdown. That's only because it's been growing uh, so rapidly uh, over the years. Uh, there was a time when India was growing eight or nine percent, uh, and I think that was slowed down to the four to five percent range. Uh, and, and now the growth uh, looks like it's going to be uh, a negative three uh, for this year. Um, negative three will look quite good uh, compared to most other countries in the world. But it doesn't look good if you've been growing as fast as India has. But remember, uh, COVID uh, goes all over the world uh, and affects everybody. And relative to that, uh, India has done uh, quite well. Uh, and, and as I say, when the medicines are produced, uh, India's growth rate uh, will, will go up uh, significantly uh, and, and it will go back to being uh, one of the fastest growing countries in the world. So I don't worry uh, about the longer term prospects uh, uh, for India. Uh, I look at things and say 2020 uh, was basically a lost year uh, for the economy for virtually every country in the world. It's a lost year. So as we sit there in the middle of a lost year and say, how's it going? The answer is not so wonderful. On the other hand, uh, that's temporary. Uh, and, and things will really start picking up uh, in uh, 2021. Uh, and by 2022, uh, we'll be feeling much more uh, like the old world uh, that we inhabited. Sure. There's one thing I would love to know from you about the capital markets. If you look at U.S. markets, they are at all-time high. Uh, Apple crossed $2 billion. In India, if you look at uh, capital markets, they are also at an all-time high. I mean, they're reaching at an all-time high. Capital markets are running on a different stead than the private markets. Uh, is this too much of exuberance or how do you see this entire space panning out? Because there's a huge difference between how companies are valued in the private space versus what is happening in the capital markets. What is your view? Well, the capital markets are benefiting from enormous liquidity that is being pumped in by central banks all over the world. At the same time, governments are doing very significant deficit spending to give money to the people in their countries, either directly or indirectly, to get them uh, through this, this down, downward uh, 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 temporary time uh, in the economy. So you have two factors. Uh, consumers actually having more money than sometimes they didn't have, and certainly uh, the developed world uh, has adopted uh, that uh, uh, approach. Uh, and, and you have um, tons of money pumped into the economies by central banks. You also have some giant-sized companies that dominate these stock market indexes that are technology companies 
that are doing great, while a lot of other companies in what you would call more the, the, the real world, the actual physical goods world, uh, are hurting. Uh, uh, hotels are hurting. Uh, amusement parks uh, are, are hurting. Uh, people who do Zooms uh, are, are prospering. Uh, you know, um, uh, the Microsofts, the Apples, uh, the great technology companies are, are doing wonderfully because people need that technology to function uh, from their homes. And, and so the big companies are doing, uh, uh, many of them, uh, in, in the technology companies, uh, with Apple having market valuation over $2 trillion and Microsoft getting close. These are massive impacts uh, on, on indices. Uh, and, and so there's a very uneven aspect of winners and losers, but the winners are so big uh, that they're, they're biasing uh, the, the way we look at, uh, uh, at markets. So you are seeing you know, what, what appears to be uh, uh, certainly uh, a very high valuations from the perspective of companies that are not doing so well. But from the perspective of the companies that are doing great, uh, life's just pretty good for them. They don't, they don't think their price is unfairly high. And lastly, what are the avenues for growth right now in this market? Uh, where would a fund manager go and invest? What is your advice to the fund managers at Blackstone and otherwise? Well, it's hard for me to get advice because things change so quickly. But, but what I would say is there are two types of things uh, that, that you can do. The first is you can find the most interesting and in developing uh, technology uh, investments. Uh, be, because uh, all of those look like uh, they're, they're going to do pretty well, uh, although the price at which you buy them may be a little high, so you have to be careful. The other thing you can do uh, is invest in very good companies that are having a tough time now simply because of the virus. Make sure they have enough capital to, to make it to that recovery period and some of those are also very interesting as well. So there's a mix uh, of types of investments uh, that, that, that you should look at. True, and are you working harder these days now that you're home and you have a lot of time? Or how do you divide your time these days? Well, you know, that's interesting. Um, because I'm not traveling, I, I can go uh, from meeting to meeting uh, w without going anywhere. Uh, so I could get a lot of things uh, uh, done. On the other hand, uh, I, can, I can walk out of where I am now, uh, and it's beautiful and sunny, uh, and, and I can relax for 15 minutes uh, uh, and sit in a chair and do some reading, uh, and it's a lot different than <laughs> being uh, in an office. So, so I get a lot done, uh, uh, and... Um, my day is scheduled like a normal day at the office. Thank you so much for your time once again. And thank you so much for doing the first episode as you did the last one for us. Thank you.